When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello, listeners. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to another Headlines episode where we are covering environmental and conscious consumer news stories of this week in under 15 minutes, fingers crossed. Today, we have quite a show, quite a show. So we're discussing giraffes. We're discussing a proposed lithium mine. We're discussing vertical farming, and then we're taking a break. Our feature story today is all about Shein. If you don't know what Shein is, stick around. And let's get right into our first story today, which is all about native giraffes that have been reintroduced to the Angolan wild. After a 36-hour journey, the first native giraffes to be returned to an Angolan national park arrived from Namibia this week. The giraffes, so there were seven males and seven females, they traveled more than 800 miles from a private game farm in central Namibia to a national park in the southwest corner of Angola. These new arrivals are the first Angolan giraffes to be brought back to the country's national parks in an effort to restore the country's wildlife, which was absolutely decimated during the previous decades of conflict there. The giraffes were thought to have gone extinct, but these young giraffes were captured in Namibia on July 3rd. Now their size is very important because animals that are too big are too high a risk during the move. So the fact that they found these young giraffes was a really big deal. You might be wondering, how how on earth do you move a giraffe? It is no easy task, especially when it involves such a long distance and, of course, moving across an international border. These giraffes were fully awake for the whole time. They were not sedated, no drugs involved. The giraffes were mostly standing during the trip. And so Angolan giraffes are slightly different. They're a subspecies from the southern giraffe. The southern giraffe has two protuberances on their head. It's unclear as to what happened to the Angolan giraffes, but the populations of this subspecies declined significantly in the 70s. And by the 1990s, there were no Angolan giraffes left in their country. This is mostly due, again, to the Civil War. Now, giraffe conservationists hope that reintroducing these giraffes to this national park will help restore the park's ecosystem. Giraffes, like any animal, fills an ecological niche. 
And so to restore the habitat, it's critical to bring back all the important players, including these Angolan giraffes. Now, this return of these giraffes, it is just one element to a wider scheme to revive the park. Some other species that have reintroductions scheduled are the black rhino, the lion, and elephants also being reconsidered. So, oh, some good heartwarming news. I love it. Now we're on to the construction of the largest lithium mine. So we need lithium to create our batteries for our solar panels and our electric cars. Where do we get lithium? Well, we're going to be getting it here in the United States because a federal ruling recently approved the construction of a very gigantic lithium mine. Now, of course, Tribes object, but a U.S. appeals court did deny their last-ditch effort to block construction. It is the Thacker Pass mine in Nevada. We've talked about it on the show before. I will link to my show on lithium in the show notes for anybody who missed it, but it goes into a lot of detail about Thacker Pass and our lithium needs. Lithium is, of course, a key component to our EV batteries, and despite pressure from Tribes on the West Coast, as well as environmentalists, the Biden administration did continue to advocate for the mine. Now, there is a bit of a race going on here with regard to acquiring lithium. We, of course, are in that race with China. So there's definite international politics at play here as well when it comes to giving this mine at Thacker Pass the go-ahead. Now, in episode 260, it was called the White Gold Rush. Again, I went into everything you need to know about lithium, including its implications in that episode, and I highly suggest you listen to it, especially now as we continue to electrify everything. Analysis estimate that lithium demand is going to increase tenfold before the end of this decade. Now, lithium mining. Lithium mining is a highly water-intensive act. It can contaminate water. Mining for lithium can contaminate water for hundreds of years. The mine at Thacker Pass, Nevada, will consume 3,224 gallons of water per minute. Now, several tribes in the area of Thacker Pass, as well as environmental groups too, have tried to either block or at the very least delay the Thacker Pass mine for more than two years. One of their main arguments was that this land is considered sacred to some native people. It is believed to be the site of at least two ancient massacres. Full construction of this mine is expected to begin in earnest this summer. We're moving on to vertical farming. Oh my goodness, what is that? Well, vertical farming could solve a problem of commercial real estate vacancies. Office usage is hovering near 50% of pre-pandemic levels, right? We stayed home during the pandemic and a lot of us never went back. (laughs) And so many cities are struggling with a plethora of underutilized space. There are companies that have started popping up to use empty office buildings for vertical farming. Now, there's no strict definition about what a vertical farm is, but they typically consist of shallow trays stacked within a building, lit with LED lights at each level. Now, soil is sometimes used, but 
Vertical farms are increasingly using hydroponic or aeroponic systems where water or water vapor infused with nutrients is circulated around the roots of the plant. So what does this mean? This means that vertical farms can considerably reduce both the water and the fertilizers needed to grow food. And because these farms are closed off in a controlled environment, they may not need much or any pesticides. Now, there are some other benefits, too. Vertical farms mean that food can be grown inside the city limits. This results in a smaller supply chain. So if you live on one side of the city and your vegetables were grown in a vacant office building a couple blocks away, what a small supply chain there is there. No need to cart our food from halfway across the globe. Now, one more benefit too, vertical farming can yield as much produce as traditional farming in urban areas and smaller spaces. Let's talk about offices for one hot minute. There are some projections out there that suggest that more than 300 million square feet of office space in the United States could be obsolete in just seven years by 2030. And so using these empty offices as vertical farms It doesn't typically require any modifications to the space. If you were converting these buildings into apartments, you'd require adding bathrooms and walls, right? But vertical farming, you don't have to put in any more money. You just use the space. All right, we're going to take our ad break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Shein. Shein invited influencers on an all-expenses-paid trip, and people are mad about it. Stay with me. This story is a really good one. I'll see you after the break. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch. They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. 
Love where you live. And we are back. Before the break, we talked about the Angolan giraffe. We talked about vertical farming. And we also talked about the approval of the lithium mine here in the United States at Nevada's Thacker Pass. Now we are on to today's feature story, which is all about Sheehan. Let's just get all on the same page and try to define what Sheehan is. It is a giant Chinese fast fashion brand. It has been accused of human rights violations and incredibly unsustainable environmental practices. Its biggest selling point, so why is she irrelevant? Well, it has super low pricing on its fast fashion clothes. They ship to more than 150 countries and regions worldwide. They cater to young women in their teens and 20s. The business model looks quite similar to Amazon's. It's a sprawling online marketplace. It brings together 6,000 clothing factories in China under the Xi'an label. And internal management software collects near instant data about which items are selling and which aren't to visibly boost the popular items. Its central marketing strategy has to do with its use of influencers. The company has partnered with tons of micro-celebrities and fashion bloggers and reality show contestants who show off what they've scored on Shein. Now, in June, Shein flew a group of young and diverse influencers on an all-expenses-paid trip to southeast China to tour some of its manufacturing facilities. Sheehan's goal was to show these influencers and, of course, the influencers' followers that contrary to reports, the company's manufacturing facilities were clean and they treat their workers well and nothing shady is going on behind these doors, everybody. And so I mentioned reports there. Let's just be clear on what recent reports allege Such reports allege that Xi'an is extremely cheap precisely because they used forced labor and other human rights violations. They steal other designers' work. They're selling clothing made with potentially hazardous materials. So back to the trip, okay? All expenses paid trip. It sounds pretty darn good, right? The influencers gushed about clean factories and smiling, happy workers who don't break a sweat, no forced labor here, no child labor here. So Sheehan's plan worked. Well, fast forward a few days, a few weeks. Now these influencers are facing blowback from critics who say that they're participating in a propaganda stunt designed to mislead customers. This propaganda stunt, by the way, also only showed these influencers the company's innovation center. And so that means that influencers weren't even offered a glimpse inside its warehouses or other factories. Let's get a little bit deeper into what Sheehan is accused of. Most of the alleged abuses are linked not to the modernized factories that these influencers got to visit, but to Xi'an's supply chain, where human rights abuses against the Uyghur minority in China have been widely documented. There was a 2022 British documentary called Inside the Xi'an Machine Untold. Filmmakers found exhausted employees. They worked up to 18 hours a day, often seven days a week. 
They were required to meet strict quotas, but were paid as little as $20 a day. They were sometimes fined up to two-thirds of their daily wages for making mistakes. And when it comes to, first, uh, the environment and second, human health, another investigation conducted by the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation determined that some of Sheehan's clothing had elevated levels of chemicals, lead, PFAS, phthalates, and these levels of these chemicals were at a high enough level that experts did find them quite concerning. Now, Sheehan has been around since 2008, but it really became popular during COVID. And since then, the fast fashion giant has become one of the world's fastest growing e-commerce companies. Their valuation was $5 billion in 2019. It is $66 billion as of May of 2023. And Shein really puts the fast in fast fashion. Over a one-year period, Gap, so the Gap that we all know and love in our mall, they listed 12,000 items on its website. H&M, in a one-year period, 25,000 items. Zara, 35,000. Take a guess as to how many items Shein produces in a year. How many styles Shein produces? Not garments, styles. The answer is 1.3 million. So that leads me to my logical next question. How much waste does Shein produce? Shein produces an astounding number of items every single day. Surprise to no one, this is unsustainable. A recent report on fashion sustainability found that Shein's rapid use of virgin polyester churns out the same amount of CO2 as approximately 180 coal-fired power plants. And when it comes to carbon dioxide, Shein produces about 6.3 million tons of it every single year. Listeners, we'll be back on Tuesday. We're talking everything you need to know about that B Corp certification. My conscious consumers don't miss it. So much to know and learn in Tuesday's episode. I'll see you then. Reach out if you need me as always. I love and care for all of you deeply. See you Tuesday and take care.